It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price, taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. I'm going in a slightly different direction, but that's not new to you all, is it? Okay, because see, weekly, you don't know what you're going to get. What are we calling manna from heaven? We don't know. But I'm going to be almost sacrilegious in the doctrinal sense, not in the Jesus sense. Almost sacrilegious. And so today is entitled, why I won't pray for revival. I just thought, let's just jump in. We're just going to jump in because that's, you know, I tend to be that because God is doing a new thing. The former things are no more. And so the thing that we don't recognize is we keep asking God to go past tense because future tense is scary. Isn't this like, what is he going to do? Like, okay, so Jesus, like, what is the future? And I've been saying for a very long time that the future is not ours to declare, declare or decree. The future is actually already done. You know, according to Ecclesiastes, the future is already done. And it's been here. It's actually layered between the present. And so Ecclesiastes has something that I think we might all want to remember. And then from there, we're going to go to Romans 8. But Ecclesiastes keeps telling us, that that which is has already been. And so we want God to go back and redo what he's done. Now we love to do this, especially if you come up in a, in a denominational church, you love this. For there is a time for everything. Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there is a season. We would call it a kairos. Everything is assigned a season and a time, chronos. So everything God does is already slotted in a season and in a time, or in kairos and chronos, to every purpose under the heaven. Now, it didn't say every event. We get confused because we like to just read into what he said, to every purpose, and you should look up what that means in your own time. It's worth you checking. It says, and then we have a time to be born. Everything has a time to be born and a time to die. Everything has a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. We are the lively stones of the Holy Ghost. I thought you'd like that. 
uh, to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. Some, t- some of the hoarders would like that one. All right, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence. Didn't say silent, keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And what profit he that worketh in that wherein he labors. I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He's made everything beautiful in its time. And so I like the way he goes down to verse 14. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it or added to it, nor anything taken away from it. And God does it, does it that humans may fear before him. In verse 15, that which has been is now. We are already the past. We are already the past. As we are entering the planet, we are entering God's past tense. As we're living our lives, we're living his past tense. So that is one reason why humans are always future-minded. Because we already past tense. We jumped in. We like to think that we are creating something that maybe wasn't before. But like he said, um, that which has been is now and that which is to be has already been. And God requires that which is past. Now, you should think about that. Everything that we are loving on is past tense for God. We are actually giving our lives, selling our souls for past tense. So it is important for you to understand that as we stand as God's seed, as God's offspring, we are always past, present, and future, which is what makes us internally eternal. So I wake up at three something in the morning because you know Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost does not need sleep. We have prayed, see some of us, we know. I keep wondering, for God, why can't you just, what's wrong with daylight? What is, you know, I mean, what is the problem with daylight? Does anybody hear me? I mean, this man likes mid, mid-midnight, three o'clock in the morning, and there he goes. Sleep does not argue with God. Did anybody ever notice that sleep does not argue with the Lord? Sleep is like, I'm out. I am done. He has, he has something to say, and I cannot stand in the way. And you can toss and turn for two hours. Is anybody hearing me? And he in sleep was like, I don't care, I'm not coming back. (laughs) So I had one of those mornings. I've been having them every day for months. But in this particular one, he began to talk to me about my sacrilegious statement of not praying for revival. And so I listened to him. He said, they're waiting for me to send revival, but I'm not sending it. He said, because I don't want to revive that which failed me. See, you know, when you're God, you don't get afraid to say. You're like, you know, I'm like, God, if I say that, you understand? Uh-uh. He said, I am not sending 
revival the way they know it. Don't pray for it. I don't want to revive folks who didn't want to learn me. Why would I want to do that? I don't want to revive people who did not treat me as holy, who were sacrilegious. Why do I want to do that? I am not going to revive what brought me to this place in human history, what brought the, brought the planet to its knees. So God said to me, my word, we like revival because it's just, I don't know, it's nice. It's habitual. So we like revival because of that. But God says, pray for the quickening. But what is he quickening? Is this all right? How many of y'all all upset already? You know, I like the saints. Some of the, you know, the saints get upset early. They start out. You say, oh, they say upset. So the question becomes revival. Evangelical charismatic or apocalyptic because see God says he doesn't do the same thing twice the same way now we want to say it because we want to package it the way we're familiar we're very good at packaging God in his past and then peddling that past as the present and as a fulfillment of a prophesied destiny that is not what God is doing today now I completely forgot it but you know Jesus remembers because well you are Jesus you know can you imagine Jesus say oops I forgot we'd be so scared we'd be like oh if he forgot man I don't have a prayer I mean whoo if his mind didn't hold on to it my, my mind has no chance so you know I like being who I am and I am a real apostle and the more I recognize that, what the distinction of an apostle is versus a pastor or an evangelist or even a prophet, when you recognize a distinction, it's different. Apostles are apocalyptic. True ones are. Okay? Now, we have the apostles to the church, and they're custodial and superintendent. And so they keep the churches going just a little bit, step up from the bishop. And so, me and God talk. Okay, let me get this right. Romans 8. We're going to talk. I want to read to you Romans 8. 14. It's extensive. Get your Bible. I'm reading because I know y'all got all them different translations out there, and God only knows what's going to come up. You know, when I really want us to read in unison, I have to put it on the screen because we can't do unison with the books, in our, which was part of the strategy. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons or children of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, what was adopted? If we've got a new creation spirit, what was adopted? Our souls. God adopted our souls from this world to his, from Satan to Jesus Christ. So when you got that new creation spirit, you were adopted in Jesus Christ. You were taken out of the spirit of this world and put into the spirit of Christ. The spirit itself bears witness 
with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him that we may also, what? Glorified together. Now, hear this. We're going to come back and deal with this suffering because a lot of times the devil has bullied us and told us we were suffering for Jesus. We need to understand what the suffering is that he's talking about. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed under that word revealed in your Bible, right? Apocalypto. We can just sum it up apocalypsed. Okay? Which, to, which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, one of the things that we want to clear up is I understand that they write sons. You notice it seems like it's, it's kind of uh, fluctuating, but a son was once a seed. So the, when you see son right seed see seeds a little different than a gender because my, when we read Genesis we read male and female made he them so it should have been something else other than just one gender I understand that you know King James had issues issues with his mother he was gay and crazy at it, became insane because of it. I understand that, but he didn't write this Bible. He commissioned it to be written. He just put his name on it so that it would have state and national acceptance. Thinking differently. What's the rest of it, Chief? Thinking differently, living powerfully. See, if, if we don't think differently, we will not live powerfully because we keep thinking according to the traditional explanations and the, the, the traditional things and what's historical. And while they have merit, they cannot on their own define future. So, 819. First of all, look it up. Don't even take my word for it. Those of you, you all got your devices. I'm not afraid of the internet. So look it up. The glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, it says, for the earnest expectation of the creature. See, hear me. He told me, stop saying new creation. He said, I don't like that phrase. He said, I said creature because creature is a being. Creation's an object, a thing. We are the new creature. We're a species of, of creation, a species of human that never existed before. We were hidden in Christ. But if we say creation, then we're part of nature. We're part of creation. We're part of the ecology. But if we're a creature, then we're not that. So we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. See, because it's the creature that creation is waiting for. They're waiting for a creature to show up. Creation is waiting for a being to show up. 
not a cosmos. Creation is waiting for a being, the person of Jesus Christ or the seed of Christ or the offspring of Christ. So you have to understand that as long as we say we're a new creation and we're part of the cosmos and that's no different than the pagans. Because the pagans are part of the universe. We don't know what part, kind of dangerous out there. I can't imagine why somebody wants to lay claim to that. When I watch all of those science shows, cosmos, the universe is crazy. It's crazier than the planets. They out there fighting. One constellation is sucking up another one. One wormhole is turking in another one. One black hole is doing something else. And I'm thinking, what? It's violent out there. Because that is not the cosmos the creator made. You know, science can be as obnoxious as any other field, but it can also have its own God complex. Science today has a God complex. We could do better than him. Here's the thing. Science is not working on what God gave Adam. Science is working on what Adam gave Satan. Because science has never seen the cosmos, the universe, the cosmology of the Almighty. They never saw a Satanless universe. They've never seen or handled a deathless universe, a universe that can't self-destruct. As a matter of fact, once Adam sold out, God took that earth and that heaven and backed it up and stored it away. That's what's waiting for us. He has a new earth. And the new earth doesn't even have in its vocabulary death. Like it's not in its vocabulary. It's not in any cell, not in any molecule, not in any atom. It has an atomic life that is deathless. Can you imagine one single hour of the day not thinking like a death-bound person? Can you imagine how many things would you jump off if you knew you couldn't die? Okay. How many... How many flames could you walk through if you knew you couldn't burn? How many experiments would you put yourself through if you knew death was out of the equation? No death, no sickness or disease, no illness, 
no wounds or scrape. Your skin is 100% impervious to harm, hurt, and danger. What kind of life would you live? Because that's the life Jesus had. Death was put on Jesus in Gethsemane. Up until that point, he had no obstacles. He had no barriers. He had no limitations. He had no denied access. I need you to get that. And that's Jesus with Mary's soul. See, if we don't hear this, we cannot reach for it. We have been talked out of wanting it. You know, the demons have more access than us. I think not. I do not accept that. So when we start thinking about revival instead of quickening, we are missing it because revival leaves it all on God. But quickening brings it all alive in us. Thank you for listening to this segment of the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. Be sure and tune in next time for the continuation of this insightful teaching. To obtain resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully, visit Dr. Price's website at drpaulaaprice.com. Also, follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.